Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Can I, can I, can I tell you what I experience sometimes? And, and the reason I'm going to tell you is to, to help those who, who might not be able to just switch over. See, you can just have church. You can, you know what I mean? You can have church. I mean, I, I could be preaching right now, and I'm no doubt that it'd be, when I pray, it'd be good, strong, anointing, all that. But sometimes, I would say more often than not, the Holy Spirit just wants us to be sensitive to Him. And when we paused there for a moment, the confetti came down. It was kind of funny. Pressed in for a moment longer. I'll just tell you what, what I know He saw, what I can see is all of a sudden I see the power of God coming on faces all across the congregation. For those who are like, oh, wait, God, and just beginning to lift their voice, not unashamed, unabashed, not giving a flip about the person on the right, the person on the left. Come on, come on, I've come for him, how about you? I mean, our, our, our worship is vertical, but the relationship we have is horizontal and both of them go together. Your love for God, your salvation, if it doesn't like being with God's people, there's something wrong with it. I'm just telling you. Come on, lift your voice all across this place. Let the Holy Spirit come and touch you. Increase your activity tonight, God, upon our hearts, upon our lives, upon this region. We call upon you, Lord, that you pour out over us. Now go ahead, just worship God in your own way. Lift your voice and glorify Him. Worship Him, worship Him, worship Him, worship Him. read Acts 5. I had a brand new family leaving one of our services today. You'll love this, Pastor Kirsten, with children in tow. And they said, you know, we heard about this church. Ladies, tears in her eyes. We heard about this church and we've been wanting to come. We were able to come today. And the, the child starts jumping up and down. And I thought, whoa. I said, was it fun? She goes, oh yeah. Oh yeah. She was in the children's church. Mom got touched and all the kids got touched. She said, we've never, I've been saved my whole life. Here's what the lady said. I've been saved my whole life. I've been going to church my whole life. I have never in all my life been in a place where there was so much life and presence and love. And I thought, my God. She said, I'm getting my whole family. I'm bringing everybody back here. I can't wait to come back. I can't wait to come back. Come on, somebody ought to say praise the Lord. Come on, give a shout to God one more time. What he's doing in our midst is amazing. Acts chapter 5 and verse 1. Let's read 11 verses of Scripture. But a certain man named Ananias, and I'm reading from the New King James, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not in your own, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. And Ananias, hearing the words, fell down, breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. I bet. And the youth ministry arose, it says young men, it says young men. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later, his wife came in. She was shopping or something. I don't know what she was doing. Not knowing what had happened, and Peter answered, answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. 
Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. The young men, there's a youth ministry again, came in and found her dead, carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. I'm going to go just a few more verses. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. They were all in one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared to join them, but the people esteemed them highly, and all the believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. So they brought out the sick in the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least a shadow of Peter passing might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered surrounding cities in Jerusalem, bringing the sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Father, we thank you for what you've done today, and we're gathered here at the table of your word. So grateful for those who've come from near as well as far, those that are online on all of our platforms in the parking lot, social distancing, God, that you would mark us tonight. Speak to us, we pray. Would you lay your hands on your heart and ask God to speak to you? Lord, speak to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. I'd encourage you to take notes, but I have purposely decided not to give you any. What a passage of Scripture. You know, you can't get away from the fact that this is in the New Testament. This is church these two dropped in. A common excuse I have heard over the years for not coming to church, and I made reference to it uh, this morning, is that I'm not going to church. There's hypocrites there. And my, depending upon how ornery I'm feeling when I hear someone say that, I answer more graciously than I do at other times, but I usually bring some humor into it and say, well, where else should a hypocrite go so they can get set free? In this case, they died. Wow. Anybody ever heard that excuse? Well, there's hypocrites. I'm not going to church. There's hypocrites there. It's a lame excuse. And God deals with hypocrisy here in the early church. And I would say their hypocrisy is due to a number of things. I'm not sure all the direction that the Lord wants to take us tonight, but I do know this. I do know, and I think I can say categorically, I have never been so under the microscope of the Holy Spirit than I am now. And I, I'm going to come a little closer because you, you guys are getting nervous, I can tell. I'm not sure why all that is, but I, I think I know why. Because God wants to bring us to another level. And anytime he wants to do that, he'll begin to put his finger on things in your life. And if you, if you, if you try to dodge those or, you know, you try to swerve, you know, you won't go to the next level that God has for you. I've made a vow. Well, I've made vows in my life before, and I've broken them. And many people have made vows that they shouldn't have made. And there's ungodly vows that you can make, and you should break them and repent for them. God takes vows seriously. And I've made some serious vows, and I, I'm, I intend with all my heart, with all my mind, a soul, and strength by the grace of God to keep them. I've made a decision to always be in church, whether I'm preaching or not. Sunday, I'm in church. I ain't going hunting. You can go hunting. I'm not going hunting, generally speaking. I remember Pastor Karen and I, we decided once long ago to go to the beach on a Sunday morning because we figured we're just going to catch a Sunday night. Listen, I'm not getting after you. You're here on Sunday night. I mean, I really, you got to be hungry for God is showing up at 80 degrees outside. You could be on your four-wheeler catching some silvers or something somewhere, but let's close in prayer. Father, <laughs> well, you're here in church, but 
all those years ago, we, we decided we would have a date. We weren't, I don't think we were married yet. Thanks. We were. Okay. We were married. We were newly married. And we decided, you know what? Let's just go to the beach. We were living in Hawaii and went to the beach. And we lied on the beach. And we're like, oh, we love you, Jesus. wonder what's happening at church. Oh, I love you, God. I wonder what he's preaching. Who's preaching? Dr. Morocco's preaching. Oh, man, I bet it's going to be awesome. I wonder how we're, there was no streaming. There's none of that. And we're like, you know, we're going to go Sunday night. And I remember that service, man. God showed up and hit the place. And, and it was that service that I think Jesus came and preached himself. And then he laid hands on everybody. And he's like, have you seen Daniel? Have you seen him? Jesus asking friends of mine where I was. And we just said at that, at that point, you know, we're, we're, we go to church. That's what we do. Not because we're pastors. We go to church because we love God. And, 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 and I was talking with somebody today. I called a, one of our beloved sisters who's uh, most likely online. And, and uh, I jokingly said to her, you haven't backslidden, have you? Now, I know she's online, and I know she's social distancing because of the concerns of COVID and a compromised health and all that, and that's fine, and, and we just love and miss her, so we just called to see how she was doing, and, and uh, she said, I'm fine, I'm fine. I said, you didn't backslide, did you? She said, no, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I made a decision to live for Jesus the rest of my life. I thought, ooh, that's a great answer. I made a decision to live for Jesus. Ananias and Sapphira were, they were hypocrites, but I think they, I don't think they really knew what they were doing. I think their results were a result of an incomplete consecration. I'm pausing on purpose, an incomplete conse consecration. I didn't say constipation, I said consecra consecration. That's being set apart. That's not a word that's used too often. You look at God and his people, he's constantly moving us to a place where we'd be set apart. And Isaiah says, come out from among them and be ye separate. And Paul echoes that. It's, a, it's to be not of the world, but in it so we can bring transformation. And God deals with hypocrisy here in the early church and... Um, I think one of the reasons God has got his finger on certain things in my life, and I don't want you to think it's some, you know, big, horrible sin, but how many of you know the closer you get to Jesus, what you thought was just, you know, no big deal becomes a very big deal. So little things, little attitudes and pride and just different things he's putting his finger on. And even today, praying, my wife ran off to help run the coffee shop. And um, I'm so glad you're here. So you know what we talked about, right? I called Dr. Morocco and threw myself under the bus. And Dr. Morocco said, oh, that's good, son. I said, yeah. I said, yeah, good. He said, well, let me pray for you. And he prayed for me. And then he said, now, uh, would you pray for me? And I prayed for him. And I thought, my God. I'm just, come on, I am committed to become more. And is there anybody else that's committed to their growth in God? Committed to become more like Jesus. I want God to expose any hypocrisy, any, anything that's out of accord in my heart, in my life. I want him to show me. Amen. I don't understand the context here of what's taking place. Pentecost, the outpouring of the spirits happens about, well, some say four years, maybe five years. It kind of depends on how you, you look at this, but we're not exactly sure how many years after Jesus' death and resurrection. But the church is growing rapidly. God's pouring out his spirit. This great revival is taking place. Signs, wonders, salvation, healing, miracles, are, they're all happening. All these things are happening. And you know, what's amazing to me is the incredible power and blessing that comes, listen closely, to the obedient, and yet at times severe severity towards those who are disobedient. I don't have another backslide in me. I don't know about you. I'm never going back. I said to my, I said to my, I said to Karen, she said, oh, you know, maybe you're being a little bit too hard or something. I said, yeah, but I'm not going back. And I know how it works. I've, I've done enough autopsies. 
spiritual autopsies. I've done enough of them to realize how it works. The enemy likes to weasel in, get a little bit of compromise, get you just, yeah, you know, it's not that big a deal. Come on. Come on. Lighten up. You're getting a little religious. I've, I've had people tell me that. You're a little religious. You're a pagan. You're a pagan believer. I didn't say that, but I... And I know there can be a pharisaical religion, and uh, I'm, that, I do my best to slay that. The context here is the church is growing rapidly, and there's this guy, Barnabas. Go to Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. Barnabas, his name Barnabas, the son of encouragement is his name. Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. A Levite of the country of Cyprus. Having land sold it, verse 37, Acts 4, verse 37 sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So it seems that Ananias and Sapphira got the idea that they could sell some land and do what Barnabas did. In fact, a great release of generosity takes place. And I love this story. Dr. Morocco tells it in numerous messages. He's our global leader, my pastor, spiritual father. Years ago, they, they took an act of faith to, to purchase, I believe it was the, the skate palace. And they took this step of faith, and they had no way in the natural of being able to pay for it. I mean, not remotely. And some lady in the congregation, heart was moved. She took off her gold nugget necklace and brought it. And gave it to, she said, Dr. Morocco, this is all I have. And I give it for the project. And she dropped that in his hands. And that released a wave of generosity. People were giving cars and motorcycles. It went back and forth. Does anybody need a motorcycle? I need one. I And it just went like that. It went crazy. And this incredible wave of generosity was released. Do you know what that, that lady, that's a part of our history. And had that not happened, we might not be where we are. Do you know what that lady was from? That lady was from Alaska. And the nugget of gold she gave was from Alaska. And she was, I just think it's like a prophetic thing that took place. And she was friends with Dylan, who's now a part of our church here and probably online, no doubt. We love you, Dylan. Wow. So Ananas and Sapphira are moved to give out of this act of gener generosity. Almsgiving is not letting your right hand know what your left hand is giving, right? Jesus talks about that. But there's another type of encouragement and giving that Barnabas did here that caused a wave of generosity. And so Ananias and Sapphira are moved to give, but it seems that they did it for the wrong reason. We, we don't know all the reasons, and I've, I've read all kinds of commentaries on them. You can go and read it, and you're like, well, they were just struck dead. They, they wanted to get, they wanted more um, applaud or, or, or recognition or favor with the apostles, and they gave it, but they didn't want to give it all, so they held it back. So they wanted, perhaps, I mean, you can try to think about what would be the reason that somebody would give like that and then want the credit before the congregation I mean, that's kind of crazy, but not give it all. Because they wanted the credit, but they didn't want to do the sacrifice. They wanted credit that wasn't really fully given to them because they wanted to lie. To the Holy Spirit, nonetheless. And because they lied, because they deceived, that's deception. They were hypocrites. They didn't give the whole amount of the land. They only gave part of it. In fact, that word they kept back that word is also used in Joshua chapter 7, the Septuagint. How many of you know what the Septuagint is? It's the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. Say it. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the... Okay, so those were done prior to Jesus' birth. And so you can go back. The, the Koine Greek here in the New Testament is what the New Testament is written in. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew. So if you go to... Uh, Joshua chapter 7. How many of you know the original language there is Hebrew? But in the Septuagint, it would be the same Greek that we would be reading if you were in the original manuscripts. Raise your hand if you're following me. Very good. The word here, uh, kept back, is the same word that's used over Achan, that Achan kept back. Do you remember the story of Achan? Achan was mistaken. And uh, Achan wanted a, a wedge of, what is it, a wedge of silver and some new Jericonian threads. He, he was into clothes. 
He was into fashion, you know, which is kind of crazy, like he's going to wear his new Jericonian garment out there, you know. After, can you imagine after the walls of Jericho fall and then everybody goes back and they're all partying that night? Look what the Lord has done. Look what the, he healed my body. He gave me some new threads. Shoot, did you? He liked my threads. His Jerichoian threads. And everybody would know that he took some of the stuff. He took it. He kept it back. I think they sought to gain approval without, like I said, making clear sacrifice. My, my brother John is an avid reader and has been serving God. He brought the gospel to our family, uh, back to our family, I should say, for generations. On my mother's side, there's preachers and teachers and worship leaders going back generations, but it, it took a little bit of a skip there from my grandfather, my, my mother's father, but he came back to the Lord and he prayed. He died praying Psalm 23, and... Um, my brother John was the first one in the family to give his life to Christ in a very real way. Got radically saved at a Calvary chapel and, uh, in, in New York and just radically saved. We all thought he was a freak. He would carry a Bible around in those days. In the early 80s, it was just big enough to choke a moose. And uh, I mean, he's constantly carrying his Bible around, just always happy. Hey, everybody! There he was, just filled with joy. And no offense, John, he's in some of our services, but I mean, every time I saw him, I'm like, oh, God. God, he's irritating. What's he so happy about? And I, we all thought he joined a cult. And I, I said it before, you know, I'm born again, but I didn't hear it that way because I heard somebody else talk about him being born again, and they said, oh, yeah, he's a born again. I thought, what? You know, a born again. It's like a born again. It's like a born again. What's a born again? They just, all the words blended, so it's a born again. No, it's a born again Christian. He's a born again Christian. Is that like a Catholic? Catholic? No, it's a born again. Born again. I find you got to put a little bit of space in there. Born again Christian, which uh, I don't know how you're a Christian without being born again because Christian means Christ like. Anyway. He's an avid reader, my brother John, and, and we dialogue throughout the week and he shared with me some of the books that he's reading. And so I, I went ahead and got, went to Amazon and got that thing quick shipped. And, and uh, one of the books I'm reading is by a, a, a man by the name of J. Edwin Orr. And um, the forward is written by Billy Graham. I think he's a Baptist, but it's so powerful. And it's a series of messages that he preached in these revival meetings called Full Surrender. And he writes concerning Ananias and Sapphira with just fluidity and, and power. And I, I wanted to read a section to you, and then we'll move further into this text. J. Edwin Orr says, It's clear that Ananias and Sapphira were unaware of the seriousness of their crime. In fact, they were unaware of any offense towards God at all. And so it is with Christians today. They scheme and plan and cheat, and de deceive in ways that involves the Holy Spirit, who cannot ignore their broken vows, but the offenders generally unaware of the offense towards God, think it concerns himself only and him alone. And then failure is, is there on the way Pardon me. And then failure is there on, so it is with Christians today. Pardon me. They scheme, they plan, they cheat. My goodness. He sees this, J. Edwin Orr sees these guys as those who weren't fully consecrated. If you look in Scripture, Old Testament and New, you'll see God pulling people out and setting them apart. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane means oil press. And when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays, Oh God, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours be done. That's a prayer of consecration. So as we move into this message, I want to ask you, have you made a decision really, truly, like our sister who said, No, I'm backslide. I made a decision. I'm a Christian. I'm going to live for God all the rest of my life. I thought those days are long gone. I've made a decision. Have anybody else made a decision? Have you been fully consecrated? The result of their lack of or incomplete consecration is judgment. 
I don't really like this text of Scripture. It's a little concerning because this is not Old Testament. This is new. Fear comes on the church and others because of the judgment that comes on them. You know, we don't have much fear of the Lord anymore in America, but it needs to be returned. It'll return through your home and mine. Our nation needs to fear the Lord. God's miracle power is released, verse 12. You see these miracles break out. And as a result of the miracle power, separation takes place. Now, I'm seeing this. I'm actually seeing this. What do you mean? You know, this is a dangerous place to go to church. What do you mean by that? I'm, you know, you come here, you're going to get convicted. So if you want to hold on, I'm not, listen. Somebody said, we just need to preach harder message. We need to be filled with the love of God more, and we need to preach uncompromisingly God's word and love people and accept people. But at the same time, when the word of God comes forth, it brings a dividing line. And if you want to hold on to stuff, you want to hold on to your fornication, your idolatry, you want to hold on to your adultery, you want to hold on to your lying, you want to hold on to half-stepping and, and not really being consecrated unto God, you will hate this place. And I'll be darn sure of it. No, I don't want you to hate this place, but I understand that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And I know if God's dealing with me the way that he's dealing with me, he is dealing with you. Let's have a praise break. This <laughs> separation takes place in verse 13 and 14. No one else dared join them. Why not? Because you could get killed. No, really, that, that's what's happening. Like, such holy fear comes. They're like, now I'm not sure I want to go to Kings over there because I, I got some stuff that ain't right. I'm... They actually didn't dare join them because they were afraid. Nevertheless, more and more people believe. What's that? There are people that actually want to get free. It's the same as true today. The Lord added to their number. There are those who are really not committed to the Lord. They left. There's people left the church right then. Like, oh man, if you're going to get killed for lying to the Holy Spirit, I'm out of here. I might, I might be next. And they left. We call those blessed subtractions. We don't want anybody to leave, but, but we're not going to bend the message. We're, we're not. So I had somebody tell me, you know, you just, you need to be just a little bit more sensitive. And I'm sure that's true, and God knows I'm trying, and Pastor Karen is interceding day and night for that to be the case. But as she, as she knows and stands in the same place, as I do as pastor of this church, I will not change the message. I'm not going to back off. We're not going to back off. We're not going to back off teaching it to your kids. We're not going to back off teaching it to the, the young adults. We're not going to back off teaching it to the youth. We're going to teach God's uncompromising word. Let the chips fall. Because in the end, we'll all stand before him to give an account. Oh church grows dramatically. So let me just bring this message to application, which I hope to do every time I preach to you. Don't fall victim to Satan's distortions. If you have a distorted view of God, you will have a distorted walk with God. And he, he loves to bring lies. He's the father of lies. When he's lying, he speaks his own native language. Adam and Eve fell to the, a lie. The devil lied to him and they believed it. The enemy wants to destroy and distort the picture of authority, wants to destroy and distort the picture of your wife, wants to destroy and distort the picture of your husband, wants to destroy the picture of your parents. The enemy wants to destroy the picture of authority, and he wants to destroy the picture of God. And if you get twisted in your thinking, then you will have a twisted walk, and you'll, and you'll, and you'll end up in, in big trouble. Their thinking was distorted. Don't allow, don't allow deception to move in. I love what um, Pastor Kirsten was talking about. You know, you got, you got to be in the Word. You got to read the Word. You don't read the Word, then you won't know God. If you don't learn God's Word, you're not gonna, you're not gonna know who get it. It's, it's, I just love His presence. Okay, that's good. I hope you have a bedrock of God's Word because if you don't have a bedrock of God's Word, how many of you know that sometimes you can't feel His presence? 
And you just have to move forward. And, and I, I don't, you know, we're presence driven, but word grounded. And if all you do have has, that's good right there. If all you do have has the word, then you're going to dry up. And you've heard me say this before. And if all you do have has the spirit, then you're going to blow up. We've seen that. Some of you have blown up. You've just come back. You need both the word and the spirit to grow up. That's what it takes to become mature. And somehow Ananias and Sapphira, they, they, they hadn't deal, dealt with some things. You know, we need each other. We need each other. We need to confront things together, doing life together. And when your vertical relationship is broken with God, then your horizontal relationships get broken in the church. Integrity is important to God. I'm just going to tell you, you ain't never going to get away with your sin. You will never get away with it. I, uh, my, my, our kids, we've told this to them over and over, and it would have been just lip service or us saying something if it wasn't true, but it is true. We told them, you can't sin because you're going to get caught. So when you sin, God will speak to us and tell us, and then we'll know. And there's been times where it's just been like, nah, I didn't run out and go do some insane thing, you know, some crazy lose-your-mind type sin. But, you know, foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. And over the course of years, the Lord would speak to us. I'd have a dream. Mom would have a dream. God would speak to us. We'd sit down, so. And they'd be like, how'd you know that? I told you, you can't, you're going to get caught. Some of you are on a very short leash. That's a gift. It's a great gift from God. Some of you feel like you can get away with anything you want to. No, you can't. You're going to get busted. Integrity is important. We need to keep our conscience clear. Say, I'm going to keep my conscience clear. You've been around here any long, any length of time. I have a completely, my conscience, and even now as I'm saying it, I'm searching just again. My conscience is 100%. Crystal clear and clean. I have no, I'm checking. I'm good. I have nothing that bothers my conscience. I I can't, I don't know what it is. I can't stand up here and I have a fear of God about it. I'm being like, I've seen too much, know too much about God. I'm not going to get up here with a half-baked walk with Jesus and some compromise or some greed or some lust or some problem in my heart. Now, there's times where we go through things that maybe we step out of bounds and we didn't realize it, and then praise God for people that will come and lovingly correct you, like Pastor Karen (laughs) or another brother in Christ. Thank God for that. But you need to keep your, is your conscience clear? And if it, listen, you get saved, you get born again, you get filled with the Spirit, you get a hyperactive conscience. Just all of a sudden. I mean, when I first got saved, I'd apologize for dropping a piece of paper. Like, I mean, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like I littered. Oh, God. I still can't walk past stuff. Can't walk past trash. If I did, it's because I didn't see it. Either that or I was backslidden. Come on, someone say, I'm going to keep my conscience clear. Have those who you can be open with. I'm very open with my wife. She's open with me. We don't have any secrets. In fact, we say it in the Bracken home. Brackens don't have secrets. That's my last name for those of you who don't know. And so Bracken is my last name, and we say this, Brackens don't have secrets. Now, listen, I, I'm a vault for lots of other people's secrets. I hold hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things and counseling and all of that and confidence before the Lord. That's different. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in my own life, I don't have some secret thing that's lurking in the background and that Pastor Karen's going to find out, you know. No, she already knows everything. If anything weird happens to me, We talk about it. My phone, we have the same password. She can have my phone anytime she wants. My emails is her complete act. She has complete access to all of my emails. I have complete access to all of hers. All the finances, everything. I don't have some secret thing. I don't have a secret life. Listen, every man of God and woman of God, every person of influence I've seen wipe out and destroy people, they all have a secret life. You cannot have a secret life life. Some of you have secrets. 
You know, we do pre-marriage counseling. We tell the people, hey, dude, make sure you tell each other all your secrets. All of them? Yeah. Have those who you can be open with. Demon power is parasitical in nature. You know what a parasite is? Like lice? Lice is a parasite. Demon power is parasitical in that it needs a host. You become a host when you have secrets, when you have a secret life and things that you do in dark. You know, the thing that you're doing that nobody else knows but you and God and demons. You know, when you get up at night and you go to the bathroom and your wife's asleep in bed and you get your phone out. Ah, here you are in the bathroom losing your ever-loving mind with demons all around you afflicting you. Oh, I'm picking on men, but the truth is the same is true with women. Pornography used to be just for just men mostly, but that's not the case anymore. You have to have, if you have a challenge, there's no shame in that. Jesus never castigated anybody for breaking demonic power off of him. You have issues, you get some help, we're glad you're here, you've come to the right place. You can get set free, you can be healed, you can be delivered, you can, be, you can, you can walk in glorious liberty. Freedom in Jesus. But you have to be open. If you're not open, then the devil's got a way to manipulate you. Who are you open with? Ananias and Sapphira, they conspired together. They made a plan together. I could never do that. No, not, 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 what I, not that I would want to, but Pastor Karen would backhand me instantaneously as we made the plan. She'd be like, what? Foolish pride will lead them astray. They, I think they wanted to be appreciated and, and recognized and be good and have those feelings. We all have those feelings of being recognized and to, to have a pat on the back. And There's nothing wrong with being recognized. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be appreciated. We all need to be appreciated. But if you begin to do things to, to precipitate appreciation through your lying and manipulating and stealing, you have problems. And you need to get set free. Be careful of exaggerating. You know, exaggerating is lying. You all know that, right? Now, I, I have to just say that when I catch fish and stuff and I tell stories... I honestly am telling you how I recall it. Now, the thing about that, the thing about that is that Pastor Karen remembers things differently. She says more accurately. I'm not 100% sure that's the case because somehow she always remembers things smaller and less than I do. She's very detail-oriented. So the truth is she's probably correct. But when I'm telling stories, it's like that's how I remember it. I mean, it was a 40-pound fish. She goes, 30. <laughs> so 40, 30, 30 pounds. That's not 40. It's 30. It's 20-pound fish. 10. <laughs> Thank God for people like that. Now, if you're, if you're purposely trying to say it so people think that you're a better angler, a better fisherman, then you got problems. I, I don't do that, that I'm aware of. Now, there's times where I'll tell stories that are fictitious as illustrations. I'm not talking about that. And I'll, I'll tell you when those are. But we need to not exaggerate. People lie about who they are. People lie about gifts. People lie about stories. They exaggerate stories. Anybody ever heard of a Stradivarius violin? And uh, there, there's, I don't know how many are left, but it's so important for us to do our best before God. He said this, 
it was, he was asked about why it takes him so long to make particular violins, and he had, he had this fear of God when he would make violins. He, he, he said this, if my hand slack, I would have robbed God. Wow. Do you serve God like that? If my hand, if my hand had slacked, I would have robbed God. He saw his actions as so important before God that he would do his very best that he could. We need to do that. We need to serve God like that. We need to have complete consecration. Can you say amen? And God does judge us indirectly or directly. He, he, he does. And I'm so thankful for the spankings of the Lord. Those whom the Lord loves, he chastises. Somebody said, well, God doesn't do that. Yes, like a, like a loving father would, would chastise. So does God. He loves you so much, he refuses to leave you that way. We've got to judge ourselves. You know, it's so important. We have to judge ourselves. You know, we judge in the church. Are, are you serious right now? Did you just say that? Sure, go ahead. Turn to 1 Corinthians 5. Listen, if you don't judge, if you don't confront, you're going to have the devil in your family. If you don't judge and you don't confront, you'll have a devil in your church. We've got lots of pastors that listen to this broadcast or even online now. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1. It is actually reported that there was sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality not even among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. In other words, that would be his stepmother, verse 2. Do you know what has means? We have children here. Do you understand? And you're puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you taken away from among you. He goes on to tell him to expel, expel the immoral brother. You know that you should confront things. There's certain things that are not allowed. You're not allowed to do that. And so if you're to come into church and, and now listen, we might have had people that, that, that are living and doing that very thing that came to church today, tonight. I'm glad you're here. Praise God. I'm so glad. But you must receive Jesus, repent of your sin, and then you've got to turn from that. You cannot continue to live a lifestyle of lying and, and adultery. You can't do that and call yourself a brother. You can't do that and call yourself a sister. You can't do that and call yourself a Christian. And listen, I have a great regard for the Holy Spirit. We don't have the, the, the we don't have the the church police running around to find out whether you tithe or whether, whether you're in sin or to go hunting you down on your Facebook and finding out actually what's on your secret spam Twitter account or your spam Instagram. We, we don't have that, but, but it's funny how those things come up. You know, everyone on our, on our platform that's singing tonight, worshiping, and if, if you'd come, minister, wonderful. They're tithers. How do you know that? Well, we asked them to, and they said they would. I don't go hunting them down, all right? Because we believe that, Alicia, you might have come in as your first service or your second service. You've been here a week, and you're not tithing. That's between you and Jesus. But once you become a formal member, once you start serving at this level, then you have to tithe. Why is that? We ask you to. I don't hunt you down. We're not doing that. That's weird and controlling. You know, they, 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 were, they were not obligated to give the price of their land. If anybody says you have to sell this and do this, run as fast as you can away from that controlling, weird, cult-like church. Can you say amen? I'll never forget many, many years ago, we had a, a volunteer youth leader I've told this story before. We're, God was pouring out His Spirit in the church. It's not here. It's not Alaska. Don't try to figure it out. God's pouring out His Spirit in the church, and God's pouring out His Spirit on the youth. And it was amazing. Then all of a sudden, things shifted. The youth stopped coming. The, the main body, the, the main body of the church had grew. But then, but before you knew it, it, it wasn't kids from the community coming. The, 
We had a van that would run. The van began to be empty. And the only kids that were in now youth were like, you know, church kids, you guys. You know, you're coming to church. Yeah, right, because your dad's Pastor Kirsten, so you coming, right? <laughs> Amen. You're all, all in church, going to youth, going to serve, going to serve, going to learn, going to go, right? So the only people that are then in the youth group are church kids, like my son. My son's going to youth. He wants to go. He's excited about going. God's doing something in our youth. But even if it wasn't exciting and if it wasn't great, you're still going. Why is that? Because he's my son. So, so, right, you understand? So church kids were going, but no longer were there people being brought in and no more. All of a sudden, the youth group drops to about half the size. Then, then this happens. Then many of the girls that were part of the, you know, the you know, junior, senior, they get pregnant. I mean, it was like three or four out of a group of, you know, 25. So that's a lot. Like, what is going on? I remember meeting with the, the youth team and the volunteer. What's happening? What's happening? I want to know what's happening. And, the, and some of the boys that were part of the group no longer coming. Now they're like smoking pakololo, smoking pot. And it's just this bomb got dropped. And, and I thought, how can this happen? And we were so grieved. We were praying. It didn't come out right then, but it came out later. And I'll never forget at the end of the year, the leader comes up to me and says, weeping at a powerful service that we had. He's weeping and he says, I'm sorry. I said, okay. You know, I hate hearing that, but I'm glad for it too. Can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Oh, pastor, I'm sorry. I'm just like, oh, Jesus. Uh, what, what happened? What happened? I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. It's all my fault. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I, I, I stopped tithing. And I know the Lord showed me all this destruction took place. Right after I stopped tithing the next week, I just made a decision. I'm not going to do that anymore because I needed the money. And then all of a sudden, one after another, all these kids got picked off. And I feel like the Lord showed me it was destruction that came on my ministry because I stopped tithing. I thought, yeah, you're right. Oh, I didn't let him up. I said, yeah, you're right. You need to repent. He repented and I forgave him. We got back to it. He's in ministry today. Expel the immoral brother. You know, sometimes there's not a move of the Spirit of God because people tolerate nonsense. I have a zero strife policy in the church. Don't have strife here. Work it out. If you need help, we'll help you. There's a lot of unity and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. But we maintain that. We pray for that. It's important. If there's no unity, then you're going to... You know what people feel here when they walk in? Is they feel love. They feel blessed. But they'll always be the enemy trying to creep up and, and, and tear things down. And, and God does judge. And uh, if you've come to cause problems here, we're going to sick Pastor Kirsten on you. He's going to fix your wagon. Yeah, we, we fixed a wagon this morning. Hallelujah. With the love of God, we don't allow for nonsense. You can't come in and just do your thing or some Ponzi scheme trying to rip people off we've had people come in we've had people come to try to take people's money fleecing the sheep i call it you know i'm sweet mostly you don't want to see the other side of me i got another side yeah i have a, a rod and staff and i've kicked people off the property with the love of god absolutely they said it's a church i said that's right it's my church i own it get off of my private property now as they're manifesting and trying to hurt someone and they're not moving, security. And I, I usually go like this. I take my phone. It's, it's happened three or four times. I take my phone. I go, watch this. I want you to watch while there's cursing at me. I go, I'm opening my phone now. And then I go to the, you know, I go to the phone. I go to the keypad. I go, watch. Nine, you watching? One, one. Did you watch? And then I go, bang. And I say, you're getting arrested. Hi, I have somebody who's causing problems. And, and guess what happens? They leave, or they get dragged out with the love of the authority of the police. We have standards. Won't you have standards in your home? There's certain things you you know you just can't you can't do and just get away with. You're not going to get away with it. all of us. We'll, we've got to judge ourselves, and God will not be mocked. At Galatians six and seven, God will not be mocked. Turn there; it's a great scripture, and I'm almost done. Galatians 6. You getting something today? I know kind of a heavy word, a little bit of a heavy word. 
Don't be a hypocrite. Get changed. It was too late for Ananias and Sapphira, but it's not too late for you. Galatians 6, 7 through 8. If you're all there, say amen. Very good. Can I borrow your Bible? You got it? Holy cow, that's like micro print. Thank you. Galatians 6, verse uh, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot. Look at this. It's all underlined and stuff. Look at that. Well, you got reading the word. A sign of a well-fed soul. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Oh, let us not become weary in doing good, for in proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, let us have opportunity to do good to all the people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. What a powerful verse of Scripture. What are you saying? Won't you pray a prayer of consecration? Won't you set yourself apart? Won't you make a decision? to not be distorted in your walk with God, but have ideas and theology based upon the Word of God. Won't you make a choice to be in covenant community with God's people and with those that He's placed around you so that you can be open? Don't be a deceiver. Don't be a mocker. Don't be like an Ananias and Sapphira to try to get it. Come on, they needed healing. Honestly, I don't think they understood the, the, love, the love of God. I don't think they understood the love of the Lord. I don't think they understood the acceptance and significance that comes from God and God alone because otherwise they would not have manipulated to try to get a pat on the back from the body of Christ. They didn't understand that. They needed heal, being healed. They needed to be healed from the fear of man. How about you? Don't be deceived. It is crazy that Ananias and Sapphira are in the New Testament. Do you think that can happen now? In all honesty, I think I actually have seen. Now, nobody's dropped dead in this church, and then we've had a revival as a result of it, and I certainly don't wish for that to happen. But you can't mess with God. Don't play church. Don't, 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 don't do it. Don't play church. Very, very dangerous thing to do. And I do believe that I have seen people who seems who seem to, I don't know, you know, but who have seemed to have God's hand of judgment come on them. What do you mean by that? Well, here's an instance. Man constantly committing adultery against his wife, and then he would repent and come back to church. Then he'd do it again. They'd come back together. They'd come back to church. He did it the third time, and he repented, and she forgave him again, like number three. Then he was instantaneously killed in a car accident. She lived. He's dead. I think, I don't know, but could it be? Is it possible? Let me say it that way. Is it possible that while, while he's born again and walking with the Lord, not living this adultery lifestyle, is it possible that, that he just was taken? Nothing happened to her, and he's gone. Is that possible? I can't think of a... I mean, God doesn't bring destruction and death, or not from him, but judgment does. I, I, don't, I don't understand the ways of God, all of it. I, I don't know. I just know one thing. I'm going to keep my heart. I'm going to keep my conscience. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm going to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to wrath. I'm going to, I'm going to walk with Jesus. Anybody else, you're going to walk with God. Come on, you're going to walk with him in integrity. Come on, stand up on your feet. Walk with him in integrity and in righteousness and truth. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. And if you sow to the wind, baby, you're going to reap a whirlwind. God wants to come upon you with fr the fresh fear of the Lord. Come on, we're changing 
We're changing our nation, changing our state, one family at a time. Lift your hands to heaven all across this place. God, give us the fear of the Lord. Something my wife prays nearly every single day. Teach us the fear of the Lord, all mixed with reverence. Holy Spirit. If you need to repent right now, won't you do it? Won't you just ask God? If you have secrets, I would strongly encourage you to find somebody you can trust. Now, you can't trust everybody. I said you can't trust everybody. There's people that'll gossip and blast you on Facebook. You, you need to, you, you gotta be careful who, you, who you're transparent with. If you can't be transparent with your wife or your spouse and you need to come Thursday, September 10th and start 10 weeks and get some healing and deliverance. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Come on, let's just worship the Lord. Minister Michael with us. your life. And then I'm finding, I mean, Jesus, it's like, it's an unusual thing. And I know it's because I happen to hold the incredible honor of leading this work here in Alaska. And God is, is like, it's, it's not even like sin that you'd find in the Bible. It's, it's, it's just the Lord saying, stop that now. Do this. I told you to do this. You haven't done it. You need to get to work. I told you to do that. What are you doing? You're distracted. Put your phone down. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Thursday, you've made plans. I told you what you were going to do with Thursday. It's the Lord like, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, he's picking on me again. I mean, you talk to my wife. And my wife would be like, gosh, he's really picking on you. I'm like, I know. I asked him to. And I know that when the Lord starts moving, his hand upon me is ever increasing. I'm having these times where he's trying to He's wooing me deeper and deeper into the things of God. And when he's doing that with me, oh, I promise you, he's coming to do it to you too. So I feel I find comfort in the fact he's coming to pick on you. Amen. Those whom the Lord loves, he chastises. Come on, I'm gonna go deeper in God. If you say, I'm gonna go deeper, I'm never going back to the world. I'm, I'm committing my life to serve him. And, and you say, I've already said that. All right, recommit maybe. Make a vow. Serve God the rest of your That's a vow that you should make. If you're here and you say, that's me, I'm going to go deeper in God all of my life. All of my life, I'm going to go deeper in God. Step out from where you are, and it's not light. If, if you don't feel that tonight, then, then, then don't do it. Come all the way to the front and make a decision to live for Jesus the rest of your life. Uncompromisingly. No secrets. No secret life. Tell him. He gave his all for you. decision today. Come on, online. Come on, come all the way up to the stairs because the whole place is coming up just about. As the Lord leads you, this is not a light thing. You do this before the Lord. You make a vow. If you can't move from your seat, do it from your seat. That's fine. I understand. Come on, tell him. Tell him.
do it now. Do it right now. Online, 1610 a.m. You say, that's me, Pastor. Wonderful. Thank you for your honesty. Pray this. We'll all pray together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. I pray, Holy Spirit, touch and fill each and every one now in the name of Jesus. If you have the freedom to pray in your heavenly language, go ahead and do it. If you don't have that, ask God to give it to you. This precious lady right 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 here hi hi yes 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 you hi I see God's hand on you in a wonderful way The Lord has brought you through many storms and crossed many valleys and over many mountains He wants you to know that the best is yet to come That hope deferred makes the heart sick but he wants you to begin to hope and to begin to dream again and I see the wonderful glory of God coming upon your prayer time, coming in your home, and upon your physical body. He's touching your physical body even now. Sickness, infirmity will not be your portion. You're a gentle, kind, compassionate, Christ-like. There's been those that have taken advantage of you, and the Lord says that I'm going to restore what was taken from you. I'm going to restore what was stolen, and I'm going to breathe fresh, the fresh wind of my spirit into you and your entire extended family. He's heard your heart's cry over your children, of your grandchildren. The power of God is coming in response to your intercession. Do not be weary in well-doing, for in due time you will see a harvest. Do you receive that word? Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say glory to God. So glad you turned out tonight. So glad you did. Come on, let's serve God with a clear conscience. Let's change the world one family at a time. Be a part of everything that's taking place. We'll hope to see you Wednesday. I have Pastor Bruno Frigoli, who's flying in from Chile, and he's got he's to go through the COVID shuffle. But after he goes through the COVID shuffle, we're going to have revival. He'll be preaching. We'll let you know more about that. He flies in on Tuesday. Come on, let me bless you. Father, thank you for what you've done tonight. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace in Jesus' name. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.